Welcome, DC fans, to a very special episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. Why is it special, you may ask? Because it is episode 150. That's oh, episode yeah. 150. Uh, I am your host, uh, Brad Flicky, and with me today is Seth Singleton. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with uh, you and Steve today. 150. Um, I don't know about you, but I never thought 150 would look this good. So I'm not even worried about the age anymore. Like I'm, I'm literally golden at this point in my head, right? Because that's how it's gonna the future. Come on, Steve. How you doing, brother? Good to, good to have you. Hey, 150. It's our birthday, and I'm happy. In a happy, good way, not in a murderous, happy joke away. That's good to know. That is good to know. Now, before we jump into the movie news, we have uh, a bit of sad news to report with the passing of uh, writer and editor uh, Brian Augustine. Uh, Seth, I'm going to pass this over to you because he had a lot to do with the flash and i know you're a big flash fan so uh, what was your what was your uh, take on the story oh man i swear like there, there's ones that that like you know every year there's going to be a passing there's going to be greats that you lose you if you've ever watched the oscar show when they get to that in memoriam section i mean the the reality of it sinks in and it's it's heartbreaking because in those moments they always show the the snippets of someone's you know work especially if it was on screen in some way you can see them probably at their best a signature moment and and for me the moment i i read this i immediately began thinking of every flash moment i remember the absolute joy because my first Flash comic was number 49, where they kill off Wally West, uh, Vandal Savage, in this thing that, for me, was like my first introduction to the death of a hero, followed by immediate resurrection, next issue kind of thing. That was all, you know, new to me. But it, it was going back and collecting all of the previous issues and, and completing that run from the moment I had it up to issue number one. And the absolute joy um the the amazement that this is the guy who brought in mark wade who for me did so much for for wally i mean so for for a lot of reasons this was a a really tough one um it was it was really hard uh i i i get that at some point um this is something we have to accept for everyone we love and treasure but my heart really, uh, my heart's really heavy on this one, man. I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I am grateful that if you want, you can uh, send out a, uh, a note. In fact, it's been asked by uh, Mark Wade that, that you, you know, take a moment and, and send off a, a handwritten something um, just so that the family can gain that sense from fans, what what he meant to all of us. And um, I hope everyone gets the chance to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I uh, <sighs> the world's a little less warmer, you know? There's just a little less of a spark in it right now. And I'm always hopeful that there's the next generation and new sparks, but the loss of a great one, it's... Uh, 
Yeah. Hey, uh, Steve, your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. Brian Augustine was one of the great editor writers. I mean, like you said, his work on The Flash with Mark Wade is second to none. I mean, that that brought that entire series back to greatness after. I mean, it's never been bad. Don't get me wrong. The Flash comics always been one of my absolute favourites. But the Wade Augustine era is one of those great eras that you talk about when you talk about comics but let's not forget as well that brian augustine is the guy who got mark wade writing comics i mean think about that and we might not have epics like kingdom come which is still one of the greatest comic series of all time we might not have elseworlds at all brian augustine wrote gotham by gaslight which is the first elseworld that didn't even have the elseworlds branding when it was first released it was the sequels that made that thing uh, a real thing that made the elseworlds universes and the elseworlds series of books that came since possible and mark wade edited that so they swapped roles for that yeah one of the great editor writers someone who'll definitely be missed someone whose impact on the industry will be long remembered and thankfully it looks like someone that the fans and the creators all loved so oh, mr augustine you'll be missed uh, to your friends relatives loved ones uh, colleagues your fans will remember your work and i pulled out gotham by gaslight and master of the future read them again and they're every bit as awesome now as they were when they were first released so yeah very very sad loss brad your thoughts my brother yeah, you know, it's hard to follow up, but you guys have already said, uh, you know, you, you're right. It is. It's always sad. And, uh, you know, and it, I recently, not that long ago, watched um, Gotham by Gaslight, the animated uh, film for the first time. And that led me to reread the comic. And I was just reminded of how great and how kind of earth shattering it was when it came out. Uh, there had been nothing like it, and really nothing like it since. Uh, so, uh, you know, that it is kind of a loss that you feel personally because you're so connected to his work. Um, and, and I love the idea, like Seth, like you mentioned, that Mark Wade wants people to send in handwritten notes. I think that's such a, a thoughtful gesture. So, uh, you know, what I can say to listeners is just send those send those letters and reread his books uh, it is it is a it is a great loss and moving on to happier news uh and movie news specifically uh we got to see a dc video uh, that is kind of promoting all the DC movies that are coming out uh, this year because it is a pretty big uh, slate. So, Seth, what did you think of the World Needs Heroes preview video? Uh, what what a great series. What a lovely montage of images that, that shows us the heroes that we can see in the world that I think once, once they're a part of it... Uh, we're not going to be the same anymore. You know, it's going to be one of those pivotal moments where there's a world before that and the world after. <laughs> um, it was it was absolutely gorgeous. So well done. I, I love the the moments that we got to see. I mean, Dr. Fate, full costume. 
you know, uh, amazing, awesome wonders in the sky above. Uh, my goodness, Hawkman, when those wings unfurled, oh. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so sweet. Like, uh, I just like, I thought to myself, yes, thank you for making it real, you know, and and boy, there was some absolute just joyous moments like that. I'm not going to try and, you know, grab them all and and say, yeah, hey, I got all these. What'd you get? <laughs> <laughs> but but those were you know just one or two that caught me ah and i'll let somebody else touch on it but that moment where black adam's talking about what i feel is going to be like a keystone for that character and an identity that you know that people can you know immediately connect with as far as like why do people do what they do we know about some characters and for those who don't know black adam this was such a lovely tease to what it is he believes in why he feels he's doing what he's doing and then that that invitation you know that idea of there's a senior hero looking at someone who's just arrived and saying there's an opportunity here won't you consider it i'll I'll leave off at that because i I know others have plenty more to say but i I loved what i saw and uh, i love what's waiting for us steve yeah, everything you just said. I mean, the Hawkman wing bit was just one of those jaw-dropping moments. That costume of Dr. Fate, I mean, I'm sure uh, Funkmaster fashion boy Felicky will have much more to add and, and be much more eloquent about it than I will. But then also we've got the flash, the lenses dropping into place, the lightning, Batman, more than one Batman. We see uh, the Batman clips from the Matt Reeves movie and hear Michael Keaton's dulcet tones over the flash clip. I mean... What a year. Then we get Jason Momoa in the dark blue sea suit and the classic uh, gold and green as well. I mean, come on. Um, A certain very well-read man once said, it's a great time to be a DC fan. I don't know who that was, but that guy knew his biscuits. I'll <laughs> tell you that for sure. Oh, Brad. Oh, actually, it Brad may have been you. <laughs> what do you make of this yeah, fantastic video? It was Brad Vallecki. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah, you beat me to it. That's exactly Lucky what I should say. <laughs> that it is a great time to be a DC fan. And this video is a great example of why that is. Um, and as far as the flicky fashions goes, I I can't complain about anything that we saw. I love the Aquaman suit, um, but a highlight personally for me was seeing, um, you know, Hawkman, Seth, like you said, with the wings unfurling and Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate is a character that I think does not get the, the respect or notoriety that he deserves i always felt that dr fate should be one of the big major players in the dc universe and he never quite got there so seeing him get in that moment is is great and that just makes me um really excited for black adam but really if i had to say which one of these films are you most excited for i couldn't tell you because i'm so excited for all of them uh they all look not only uh as good films but they also look like they are really moving the idea of DC movies uh, forward. Like DC on film is going to a whole new area this year. And I think it's going to be really, really fun to be part of that ride. I think we're in for uh, a lot of fun and starting off not too long, just a few weeks away from 
from the Batman. So, yeah, it is definitely a good time to be a DC fan. Uh, Continuing on with the Batman news, we got to hear uh, the Riddler theme from the film score. Uh, Seth, what do you think of this uh, piece of music? I loved it. I I thought it was... um... I love the introduction. I love the build. I love that there's just this quiet, uh, reflective tension, and um, through that you can you can get that sense of watching someone thinking very clearly, concentrating, you know, very aware that whatever they're about to decide is important, and sort of the weight of that, and then also the feeling of that same sort of tension, but with this music in moments when a lot of careful work has gone into something and it's about the execution, those, you know, those precise details. So it, it, it brought up a lot of great ideas when you think about the Riddler and even for those who aren't familiar and certainly not with the version we're about to see, I think it introduces um, a lot of great possibilities that the movie can sort of fill in and that later, That'll be one of those things where you hear the music and instantly it's like, um, oh, I'm always thinking of uh, the Hobbit's theme. I think it's it's not the in in mind of Hobbits or, but it's just essentially like the idea of when it comes to Hobbits. And and as soon as I hear that really gentle, it's like I know that I see certain scenes I. I capture those immediately. If I hear the Man of Steel theme song, boom, that's it. It's him kneeling down, the the rocks swirling around. The, so I think this is going to craft that same sort of sensory memory for a lot of people, and that should be a great one of the great pieces to take away. I mean, come on, you know, I I think for many of us there was that great moment in Joker in the bathroom where he sort of like crafts his own theme in in not only movement but music and all right i'm gonna leave off at that steve how about you my friend no i i echo those sentiments wholeheartedly you know that michael Ciccino is just one of those composers who is probably in the very select few who could be held in the same kind of regard as giants like john williams where like you said seth there are certain pieces of movie music that just take you back and transport the images from the characters or the films straight into your mind's eye. Um, yeah, the Hobbit theme by Howard Shaw absolutely takes me to to Middle Earth, no doubt in my mind. John Williams, Superman, well, John Williams, everything, Jaws, Indiana Jones, E.T., everything that man's ever written, Harry Potter. Then you get Danny Elfman's Batman theme. Then you get, like you said, everything from The Dark Knight. But what I love about this Riddler theme is there's still a slight sense of joviality there. But then there's the coldness and the starkness and the chaos, which is really, really greatly juxtaposed with the Batman theme you released a couple of weeks back. That complete contrast of opposites where you can feel that both these themes will be linked to these characters forever from this film onwards. It's brilliant. I mean, I know Brad loves the movie score. He and I have talked about the Joker score for hours. So, yeah, Brad, w- what did you make of it? Yeah, I really liked it. And I like that you guys both brought up kind of, you know, John Williams and the older scores, because 
this kind of takes me back to that more so than say the Joker's theme in the Dark Knight, which was really um, industrial kind of and grinding and not very melodic. It didn't, you know, it didn't have that superhero kind of anthem. And the Joker score, that was just something on a whole different level. That was such an integral part of that movie for me personally. Absolutely. That, that, you know, that, that, that kind of stands in its own its own thing. But this was really kind of cool because to me, it, it did take me back to those more anthemic film scores. And considering how this is one of the darker versions of Batman on film that we've ever gotten, going that route is an interesting choice. I thought they might have tried to keep it more on the noisy side. So that interests me, it, it, you know, how how that's how the score is going to affect kind of the tone of the film. Uh, so, again, it just it's something that just makes me more excited because I'm so curious on what we're going to get with this film. And um, it's like every little bit of news or clip or, you know, like pieces of music that we hear, it just really takes my curiosity and uh, and I can't wait. And uh, keeping on with the Batman news, we got a look at some character posters. Uh, Seth, what do you think of these character posters? Okay, so <laughs> there comes a fun moment with this where you're like, all right, so uh, I'm going to try and describe this thing that I'm seeing. And in the process, <laughs> without maybe having the context, what are you going to take away from <laughs> what I'm offering to this? Um, I I sort of get the, the sense that this is almost like a... Uh, so before there was Facebook, the website, Facebook used to be a profile on somebody, right? And sometimes they also would call it, I think they still do like a baseball card. And this almost feels like if the Riddler had like a, a baseball card <laughs> collection and he's just sort of going through it and like stamp <laughs> notation, you know, and from that you could just see this spread out in front. And and for me, I almost feel like that fits as this like idea that I immediately came with, because also I could see him, you know, sort of personifying each one of these characters and as well as himself as a character, like seeing yourself as part of this play or, or narrative. And that was kind of a fun way to think about it, because, you know, I was in a chat with somebody not too long ago and I was like, hey, man, you got to remember what so many people say in, in the majority of occasions. People believe they're the hero of their story. You know, they see themselves as righting a wrong, solving an injustice. And for me, this was just sort of a really fun glimpse into it uh, to give you any idea what I'm talking about. We have these great, you know, I'd say, you know, I don't know, third, sometimes almost like three quarter profiles of uh, Batman of uh, Selena without the mask, of uh, Penguin, as well as uh, of the Riddler. And and along with them are these really, you know, great little sort of messages and statements with each one. I think it creates a great tone. It, again, gives me just some of those visual feelings. I remember being so stark about Seven and other projects like that. And, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to leave off. But it, it brought up some really neat things that when you first sort of look at it. It's like, okay, what, what triggers? Where do I see things like catching me? And what does that say when I immediately think about it? So those were a few of mine. Steve, uh, I feel like your vast Batman knowledge affords greater insight or other possibilities. 
What do you got, my friend? Well, the first two emotions that came to my head when I saw these posters was love and want. Um, they're stark. They're sharp. They're in your face. They're gorgeous. But this whole marketing machine that's being built for this release, like I said in previous episodes, is like nothing since Batman 89, where that movie took over the entire world. This film looks like it's doing the same thing. I mean, I don't know if you guys have had the same um, like billboards and bus shelter posters and things like that, where the the poster for the Batman if you shine a flashlight over it, there's hidden messages, like encoded messages from the Riddler to Batman and vice versa, that you can only see when you look at the poster from certain angles or if you shine a light on them. And if these have got that as well, then this could be one of those films that's going to bankrupt me where I have to buy every single damn piece of memorabilia for them. And the fact it's being released a week before my birthday, um, it's just a sign. It was meant to be. A Batman movie meant for Steve, and I cannot wait. Brad, you must have some thoughts on these posters, brother. I do. I, I love them. Uh, and, you know, when we originally got these stories, I, I, I looked at these pictures and was like, oh, those posters are really cool. But um, I went into Manhattan yesterday, and the like the intersection of 42nd where it runs into 7th Avenue and Broadway right by the big subway entrance Warner Brothers has ads all you know all around the whole block and yesterday the Batman ones were up and they were these posters and you think they look good as huge billboards they they look even better uh, cool. Yeah, they were amazing. I actually took some pictures that I'm gonna probably post later uh, later today. But yeah, they it, it it was really cool. I was happy to see them because I was wondering, like you know, they did it for Suicide Squad. They did it for you know the Arkham games. They do it for you know most of the DC movies that come out, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, things like that. So I was glad to see those up. And uh, yeah, they 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 look great. And Steve, that's really cool. I didn't know that if you flash light on some of these ads, you'll see different things. That's really, that's really cool. I'm going to have to it's do that when I'm in the movie. brilliant. Videos. Give it a go. Yeah. When you see the full color ones of uh, Pattinson as Batman, look at it from certain angles and you'll see there's like hidden messages that stand out from certain angles and stuff. It's really cool. I mean, I think you might have those there, but they're definitely all over the UK. Yeah, that's really cool. So yeah. keeping on with the Batman news, uh, we got the box office projections of the Batman's opening. Uh, Seth, what did you make of this? Well, I think the fun thing is it, it seems to feed directly into what Steve was just talking about a moment ago. You know, just how big the projections are are suggesting. Um, you know, 135 to 185 million. Um, uh, box office pro saying somewhere between 340 and 540 and i think in a few occasions they i think to be safe they're kind of lowballing um and because of that <laughs> like my brain starts to go all right so where are they considering like pie in the sky you know ultimate dream and uh i think we could be looking at a movie that 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 does numbers like, oh, I might have to 
No, I'm not going to. It's going to happen. I'm saying like somewhere in like the seven eights easy. Like I really, I really think that they're undercutting it so that they don't seem overconfident. But think about what Steve was just saying about the marketing proposition. Think about the uh, way we've seen. I mean, guys, we were all alive in '89. We remember when Batman came out. How many Batman haircuts did you see afterwards? How many different forms of Batman theme merchandise were available from the moment it came out for like the, I mean, it was like the summer was increasingly frenetic. How about that? Um, so with that, I just, I just sort of chuckle because I, I feel like these are amazing, you know, suggestions, but I also feel that, that they're airing on the side. And um, I think this is going to be big. I mean, I, I, I really, <laughs> really, without overstating it, without saying it too much, that's that's the first thing that really comes to mind. Steve, how about you, my friend? Completely in agreement. These are conservative estimates, to put it in the politest fashion possible. I think this movie is going to rock the box office. It's going to break records. Um, while people may be talking about comic book movie fatigue, and even Batman fatigue. Why did DC throw all this money at Batman? It's because the story is timeless. The dark vigilante with no superpowers. It's eternal. This is a man who fights alongside gods, falls down, bleeds, cries, but gets back up and dusts himself off. That is a hero. That is someone you want to see movies about. And that's why every single Batman movie has been a success from the Christopher Nolan trilogy to the love him or hate him Ben Affleck Batman of Batman vs Superman and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Batman is the character that the world yeah. knows. And if this movie is as well made as I think it's going to be, if the trailers or anything to go by, the slow release of music from the soundtrack, the posters, the lunchboxes, the pyjamas, the toys, the burgers, this is going to be Batman 89 Mark II in my estimate, those projections are very, very prospective and very, very, like you said, Seth, they're just playing it safe because they don't want to put all the eggs in one basket and say, look how cocky we are. But I think those numbers are going to be dwarfed. What about you, Brad? What do you make of it? Yeah, I think I think they might be lowballing it, too. Uh, I think that, um, you know, a lot of the reservations about Pattinson being Batman have passed. I think people are on board. The buzz since that first trailer jumped in fandom 2020 has been huge and it's never waned. I mean, it's, it's kept that same momentum. Um, and we're also kind of on the brink of coming down from the um, Omicron variant. So maybe that'll bring people back into theaters as well. They're not so scared of COVID. So, yeah, I, I think this might... Uh, might perform better than these estimates and what's going to be interesting to me is not even the first weekend but how word of mouth spreads and how it keeps going week to week um i have a feeling that it's going to be the number one movie for a few weeks so yeah i i think that um we're definitely looking at a another success 
And next up is also the Batman related, and it's also a flicky fashion story. Uh, Hot Topic has released a line of Batman themed and Batman tie in um, uh, clothing line. So, Seth, what do you think of this? I'm going to go ahead and get a Batman utility vest in uh, extra large. And <laughs> Sorry, just making a shopping list. Um, it, I think it, it continues uh, the theme that we've been sharing the, the last couple of topics. You know, again, <laughs> when have you seen this extensive? Like when when have you seen so much? Um, and I think the fashion ideas are great. I love that we, uh, you know, get some suggestions there in the uh, the first image at the top, and I like the descriptions. I also like that when we we're clicking on the link, you can go ahead and check out the uh, the hoodie versions too. Um, you know, you're gonna find something you like. I'm I'm fairly certain, and uh, everything from jogger pants to button up, it, it's it's fairly impressive. Just I'm I'm kind of just wondering now, like, where else will this show up? You know, what if there's a hot topic line? And who knows? Maybe there's a line in a brand that's more fashionable, but I'm not fashionable enough to know what that is. But I mean, you know, sky's limit, maybe like an Hermes or something. I don't know. Hey, what can I say? Steve, what do you think, my friend? It's insane. I mean, I am probably the least fashionable human being on Earth. But some of this stuff just looks damn cool. And it's not just Hot Topic. It's EMP. It's Hot Wheels. It's Lego. It's like every brand you could imagine. I mean, the fact that there was a, a Lan Van catwalk with Batman-related stuff earlier this year. Uh, Funko, you name it, every single massive brand on Earth has got something coming out related to this movie kids backpacks like i said lunch boxes pajamas you name it there's something out there makeup there's lines of makeup um i'm excited as hell i need more black t-shirts my wife will tell you otherwise but what does she know black is the new black um brad will back me up on this this topic on our news list is called the Philicky fashions topic brad tell me i'm right sir yeah, you, yeah, you are absolutely, absolutely right. I, you know, I, I dig that leather jacket. Um, and Seth, like you were saying, that utility vest was cool. And Steve, like you were saying, it's not just hot topic. Uh, if you if you dig into this news story, you're gonna see uh, things like hats. And and I'm trying to think of oh, which one do I want the most because it's really easy to go broke because I would want everything. I, you know, I I would. I would want the button-ups and, you know, so, yeah, this this line has something for everyone, uh, which kind of also goes back to what we were just talking about with the fact of how this could be like a Batman 89 all over again. Because one of the things I think that drove that movie so much was the merchandising. I think I had like six Batman shirts by the end of that summer and everybody yep. was wearing Batman shirts, everyone. And that was such a cool thing to be a part of. And it would be cool to see that happen again, um, you know, especially with all these online options now, you, you can find something that you're going to like. So I, I think this definitely passes the 
flicky fashions test for sure. Um, yeah, so so guys, check it out because there is some really cool stuff there. Moving away from the Batman news, but still bat related, we got some uh, set photos from Batgirl uh, of J.K. Simmons as Jim Gordon. Seth, uh, what do you think of these pictures? Oh, it's great stuff. I mean, you gotta love the details. You, you gotta love the the shots of Jim. You gotta love the what I feel is already like a really nice uh, hint of the chemistry there. Um, and then just for bonus, as I was scrolling through the rest of the story, like I love that there's the the stunt show scene that's also grabbed there. A guy flying out through doors, flames coming out. But getting a, a quick glimpse of, of Jim in character, you know, seeing him fleshed out, seeing again him with Barbara. I, I, I thought it was really nice. I mean, it was it was just like uh, the sense of this trickle. You remember, I feel like it was right around this time, maybe a month from now, when we were seeing images of uh, Batman and Catwoman meeting somewhere and we saw a motorcycle and you know what I mean? Like we were starting to get that that trickle. And I feel like this is what we're uh, enjoying now with uh, with Batgirl that we're going to continue to see this like slower release. And I think it, it bodes well for getting some great, you know, early visuals soon. You know, that's one of the things we would have loved to have had included in that montage we were talking about earlier. But I, I do feel like this is something that could be coming up, say, by <clears throat> Fandom DC, if you're listening. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. This this film's going to be huge. I can feel it. But these pictures, the fact we see a younger Jim Gordon with red hair just fills my heart with joy. It brings me back to the Scott Snyder run, Jim becoming Batman for a while with his military style haircut and the red hair. And it just shows a love for the source material, which you guys know me better than anybody. If a movie reflects the comics, I will officially categorically love it more than if it doesn't. So little things like that. And like you said, Seth, that chemistry we can see from set photos between J.K. Simmons and Leslie Grace, between Jim Gordon and his daughter. That's what you want in a Batgirl movie. And because I've got a few connections up in Glasgow who shall remain nameless, of course. And you guys have seen some of the uh, on set photos that I've shared with the group. These sets, these backdrops just look incredible. Little posters uh, homaging characters like Hugo Strange, uh, a nightclub that's um, called Bressy, like Tough Tony Bressy from the Dark Knight era of the Nightfall era. I'm so looking forward to this film. I know it's going to look great because of the directors. The casting's fantastic. Jim and Barbara, what more could you ask for? What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I I totally agree with what you both said. Um, you know, and, and I love like you guys pointed out the chemistry that you can see in these photos. That's great. The look of these photos makes it really feel like a cool version of Gotham City. Um, but Steve, I think you really hit on something when you when you said that um, when when a movie goes into that source material, that's when you kind of like it the best. And that's what I've loved about seeing this production come together is all the little hints from the comics that we're getting. And 
it's it's fun to watch this come together because it is going to be definitely influenced by the comics. J.K. Simmons is an amazing actor. Uh, it's so great that he's going to be involved. Uh, he's always bringing his A game, so you know you're going to get a good Gordon. So, yeah, I I am totally on board and excited uh, for this for sure. And up next, still Batman related in a way, there have been some rumors about a Joker 2 script. Seth, what do you think of this? I'm really intrigued by it, to be honest. I, uh, I, you know, I, I wondered at the end of the first one, what, what would compel the, the continuation of the story or a precursor to the story? I think that might be a little less likely, but if, if there was something that follows, what's the value? You know, I really think that the importance behind the first movie was, you know, showing us the transformation of uh, a person, showing them in all of the the places that are, you know, important to understanding the character as much as is possible. And then through that, the transformation of them through these kind of final steps. And now it's like, okay, so what would be the value in a sequel? And I can imagine that there are a couple of directions to go in, but it was something that I know was, was left sort of lingering with the idea of, could there be a follow-up to Watchmen? And, you know, (laughs) we heard from the creator himself, like, well, I, I pretty much, you know, took everything out of my play toolbox that I wanted for this and I did it. And now if I come back, it has to be, you know, for the following reasons that I found something that I really feel needs to be told. So I'm I'm intrigued at, at what that can look like for this draft, what what part we can consider um, without trying to get into a whole bunch of fun speculation. But I like that that there's a suggestion of someone who's saying, yeah, I took a look and I found something and um, I put it down. And I think, I think it, you know, is a good candidate for what we're trying to do. What, what happens after that remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm curious that someone's like, yeah, I found a way in. I, I think I've got a story. Um, come take a look. what do you think, Steve? Oh, I, mm. I'm caught between cautiously optimistic because it's still Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips, allegedly. And but why? Um, Like you said, what is the benefit? Why have a sequel? That film stood alone. It was an Oscar winning masterpiece. I. For every Terminator 2 and Godfather Part 2. There's a Batman and Robin and a Superman 4. Um, While the Blade Runner sequel was very good, it didn't match the first. I just think when you get a film like Joker, isn't it best to leave it alone and let it be? Are you going to cheapen the original by making a, a lackluster sequel just for the hell of it, just for the box office? Or are they going to try and recapture some of that magic? And if they do, great. But I just don't know. Sometimes a film should be left well enough alone. But I'm going to stay cautiously optimistic. That's all I can really say about it. What about you, Brad? Uh, Steve, you 
like jumped into my mind. Talk about hive mind. Uh, I, I feel the exact same way, and I'm not dodging the story here, but uh, you know, with Joker, it was it was such this one time uh, event almost. I mean, this was a film with something to say. This wasn't your typical superhero movie or supervillain movie in this case, but you know, if you keep on going, you you could dilute that and turn it into something that is, uh, you know, I I hesitate to word the use the, to word the use cliche, but something that we've seen before. And the first Joker was not that. Yeah. So you have to tread very lightly. But Steve, like you said, I'm consciously optimistic as well because it is the same crew, and they put so much into the first one. I don't think they would return just for the paycheck. I think they would have to have a story to tell. Uh, you know, and, and as this production starts coming together and we start seeing footage, we'll be able to tell, I think, really quick if this is something that should exist or if this was just a cash-in. But luckily, I think the team behind it is uh, has enough credibility that they just wouldn't put their name on something that was going to be a cash-in and garbage. So. I will be cautiously optimistic as well. And we also uh, kind of keeping in the theme of DC promoting their whole slate of films this year, we got some uh, posters for the Lunar New Year uh, that are promoting uh, The Flash, Black Adam, and The Batman. Seth, what, uh, what did you think of these? Oh, these are smooching. These are so good. I mean, just like wonderful, delicious uh it's pretty awesome, man. I mean, if you can get your, if you can get your hands on one, um, I'll, I'll happily compensate. I'll happily, you know, contact whoever I need to get one of these. The Flash one um, wins it for me. <laughs> Two hands, got the platter, nothing spilling, got the bowl of soup. Ah, I, I immediately got hungry. I'm, I'm hungry right now. Looking at it again, like, oh man. Um, but I, I love that the Batman starts us off with a great tone, and from there you just get to enjoy some really great art, wonderful theme, and how cute are Super Pets? Oh, I'll let others describe that for me. Yeah. Steve, how about you, my friend? These things are gorgeous. I love the aesthetic, color, the layout what they're doing, how they're acting, their faces, their postures, their demeanour. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, and with the whole Lunar New Year thing and the release of the special edition uh, Monkey King comic book with a similar packaging, I, I just love this whole theme, this whole look. It makes me want to be in Chinatown e eating dim sum and noodles. It just makes me happy. It just puts a smile on my face. It's the kind of promotion, the kind of activity that makes you think, well, damn, I love being a comics fan. Why? Take a look at this stuff. If this doesn't put a smile on your face, you do not have a heart, sir. No, love it. Absolutely love it. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I love the color scheme. I I love the uh, the poses. Uh, yeah, I, I love everything about it. Uh, and I like that they included uh, crypto from Super Pets. Yeah, this is, yeah, these are really cool. And it made me kind of want to reread the first issue of Monkey Prince because it did feel like that um, 
that special cover that they had, the Lunar New Year cover. Um, such a cool idea. I yeah, I just uh, I loved everything about it for sure. And with that, we are going to take a quick break to hear from some sponsors, and we'll be coming back with some TV and streaming news, so stick around. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. Welcome back to episode 150 of the DC Comics News Podcast. We talked movie news, and now we're moving on to TV and streaming. And first up, we hear that Gotham Knights gets a pilot order at the CW. Uh, Seth, what do you think of this? I think it's a lot of fun. I love the description. I love that there's plenty of vagary. <laughs> there's all sorts of possibility. And I, I love that this is yet another you know, example of how it can fill in the, the questions that we're you know, going to be asking that are raised by this uh, description um, with examples from comics or consider just how much this could be testing how far the Omniverse can really go as far as crafting whole new stories, characters, uh, legacies, but built around these ideas we already know. You know um, everything from the rebellious adopted son to fugitives, I, I think this story holds a lot of great potential just in those suggestions and how much of it hews to what we already know from comics and how much of it builds its own uh, amazing identity on its own. Um, th this shows a lot of promise and potential. I'm curious to see all the directions it's going to keep revealing to us. Steve, how about you? I was sold with rebellious adopted son. I mean, what? Adopted for a start, so it's not Damien. Rebellious? Surely that screams two words to all three of us. Jason Todd. If we've got a new Red Hood, if we've got a Gotham Knights led by that dude, I'm automatically intrigued and invested. So every season of Batwoman's got better. This is going to be by the same team. It's got the same name as a video game, which is going to get gamers involved, even if it's not related to the game itself. So Gotham City, Gotham Knights, 
rebellious sons. I'm all in. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I'm I'm into and and you know, like you guys brought up the rebellious son, adopted son thing is a really cool prospect and how, what angles are they going to use and is it going to be Jason Todd? That seems very very cool. The possibilities are endless. And this just shows just the kind of magic of the whole Batman world and those characters. There's so many ways to interpret them and people just can't get enough. You can't, there's just, you can't get enough Batman. You know, Steve, you talked about, you know, uh, kind of superhero movie fatigue, but Batman is kind of immune to that. Uh, You could reboot Batman in some way every year and there would still be a huge core audience that just loves the Batman and those characters that are associated. So I I think that um, this is just another example of all that those all the ways to tell a story in Gotham and with the bad characters so you know I uh, I can't wait for this and uh, as a gamer I can't wait for the game whether it's related or not so um, yeah it, it seems like um, man I, 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 I hope this gets picked up for a series but I, I have a feeling that it will Moving on to our next bit of TV streaming news. Uh, the Flash finally is introducing the cobalt blue uh, Red Cross and Eddie Ethan. Uh, as our biggest Flash fan, Seth, what did you make of this? Oh, this is good. This this is one of those, you know, this is a character and a story that can go in wonderful possibilities it no matter how much of it is drawn from the comics and how much of it is recreated in the in the minds of uh the writers who are taking that and then bringing it to the screen they've they've come as close as you can sometimes hope and then other times they've they've taken just the the slightest possibilities and um, moments and sort of expanded in the directions that best fit the model for the show. But the idea of a character like this who can, I feel in many ways, be a regular returning nemesis, a wonderful uh, <laughs> a wonderful reminder for me just of, of uh, what I remember from the comics, what I remember of a certain blue flash from the mid-90s. Um, there's, there's just a lot for me to enjoy about this and how it comes out in... Uh, and the show is going to be awesome. But I'm also just wondering, does this mean perhaps a senior Flash appearing sometimes soon again? Because every time he does, looks amazing. Every time, I just want a tiny bit more. And uh, I feel like Cobalt Blue can really kickstart uh, some great stuff for Flash and Flash fans as well. Steve, how about you, my friend? Everything you just said. Yeah, so many memories, so many great comics and a good actor returning, someone we've not seen since the early seasons. Flash seems to be building and building and building. The fact it's going to surpass Arrow and go into nine seasons is huge. But that's probably because this series has been loved um, almost universally since its inception. And bringing characters like impulse 
and Nora. And now, hopefully, if this is true, Cobalt Blue into the mix will mean that this series could run, pardon the pun, for even more years to come. So, uh, yeah, Godspeed. Oh, another flash pun. What am I doing with my life? Um, Brad, what do you make of it? Yeah, I, one thing I love about the Flash series is how they have been able to bring in all the other speedsters from the Flash world into it. And they've done it in really cool, creative ways. And I, I, I love the idea that we're going to get the Cobalt Blue. So, uh, yeah, I, even though I am behind on the Flash, things like this really make me want to hurry up and get caught up. Um, the, the, you know... As you guys mentioned, the cast is great. They inhabit the characters so well. Um, and it has. It's kind of surpassed Arrow now as it moves into nine seasons. So, um, yeah, I, I think it could have, you know, ten more seasons. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I, I'm i happy to see Cobalt Blue come into the, into the mix. And our next story is that the... Arrowverse might get its Harley Quinn. Uh, Seth, what do you think of this? I think it's huge. I, I think it could, you know, be another, like I was just talking about Cobalt Blue, but I mean, come on. I, I think between our time on Mad Love and from everything I think that Steve's about to fill us in on, um, you know, this this has potential to, you know, bridge so many different parts of uh, the CW uh, universe of heroes and who knows what else. But as I said, there's someone who I feel knows quite a bit more about this. And so I pass the mic. Steve, my good friend, tell us more. Well, Harley in a live action TV show. This is something we haven't seen since the much maligned, but I still like it. Birds of Prey show of the 90s. I think it needs to happen. And you know what I would really, 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 really love? And she's proven she can do it after the flight attendant. Is to have our animated Harley, Kaylee Kuoko, take this character on in live action. Um, I'm all for this. The way it's being teased is clever. Um, this character Kiki is great she's teasing it she's saying oh yeah all the gadgets um, Harley was my psychiatrist in Arkham boom baby give me more I know that again um, I don't know if you have a phrase similar in the US for a love it hate it scenario but in the UK it's a Marmite scenario Marmite's uh, a food stuff which you either love or hate. No one likes Marmite. You either love Marmite or you hate Marmite. Harley Quinn is a Marmite character. I adore her. There have been iterations of her I haven't liked so much. But what I will say is Ms. Kuoko, Ms. Margot Robbie, Arlene Sorkin, Tara Strong. Need I say more? What about you, Brad? Oh, man, absolutely. You know, Steve, you mentioned how earlier that you thought Batwoman has gotten better with each season. And I agree with that. And one of the reasons why is how they bring in all these other characters into it and bringing Harley into that mix 
you know, you can't go wrong. And if they would bring Kaylee Cuoco, oh man, can you imagine? That would be, that that would uh, break the internet. I don't know. It would just, it would be incredible. I don't know if she has the time, but man, uh, DC, Warner Brothers, CW, I hope you're listening because you need to make that happen. That would be incredible. Um, but yeah, it, it, overall that episode was really cool too. And I, I, I like you said, I did like the Kiki character, and I loved that little subtle hint. So, um, man, I, I can't wait to see what other characters they bring into Batwoman. Uh, you know, it's been really fun to watch this season uh, because of that. And moving on, we also got this is also Batwoman related. We also got a red hood easter egg in uh latest episode of batwoman so what do you think of this you know as soon as i i read this story and saw the image i immediately thought of how we were just talking about the possibility of a jason red hood character for the arkham show that Arkham Knight show we were just talking about and how in many ways I feel this is uh, something we can credit to Titans who brought you know Jason Todd and Red Hood to the live action for the first time and I think it's part of breaking that spell you know can you can you do that in a way that fans will believe and I feel the Titans series did so well that now we it's something we can consider for the Arkham Knights and I love that it's something that has possibility, or at least uh, the story is embedded in the uh, Batwoman universe. So I, I love the suggestion behind that for all the things that, well, that we can look forward to. So I, I feel like, you know, Easter eggs often have intention, and this one I, I feel has some great suggestion behind it too. Steve, how about you? Easter eggs are delicious, and we three are men with one brain, and if you're a zombie. It's comic book flavoured. So, yes, Seth, I agree with you 100 million percent. Crowbar equals Jason Todd. Gotham Knights TV show, rebellious adopted son equals Jason Todd. People, you do the math. Then bring Kelly Cuoco in as Harley Quinn. I'm not going to say another word. Brad, are you with the hive mind once again? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. There's no way that that was not uh, an Easter egg to Jason Todd. And I just go back to what I said before, which is that what thing I really like about the Batwoman show is how they bring on all these other Batman characters. So or I should say Gotham characters into it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we will get uh, Jason Todd in flashbacks or he's still alive. I mean, the possibilities are endless, which is also something that I've said about the Batman, you know, Batman stories in general this episode. So not only <laughs> is it a good time to be a DC fan, and Steve, you can attest to this, it's a great time to be a Batman fan. Batman. Uh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm just completely open to what this show shows us at this point. Um, I, I think... Personally, Batwoman is my favorite CW DC show uh, of the moment. But that may change if uh, 
what happens in this next story comes true. Uh, it looks like Booster Gold is coming to Legends of Tomorrow. Seth, what do you think of this? Oh, this is perfect. I mean, first you got me with, uh, you know, Blue and Gold just recently in the comics, which is just a joy to read and smile. And yeah, good stuff. <laughs> but bringing him to uh, Legends, which is just such a perfect home for Booster. I mean, you know, we, we've we needed a, a seasoned time traveler from the comics to, to interact with these great characters. And we started out with Rip Hunter, lovely beginning, but then... You know, we've been watching the team sort of find find their way. And, and now I love this inclusion of Booster. I also love the version of Booster they're talking about a little bit more seasoned and senior, but, you know, also well aware of the fact that so many different things he's cultivated at this point in his life are, are based on, you know, getting away with what he can as far as he can, you know, skin of his teeth, things like that. And, and how that sort of is going to... Um, inform what he brings to the cast what what he can share also maybe some things he might have to deal with but uh, i really hope this is a suggestion of booster being around for quite a few more seasons along with legends of tomorrow i feel like both had the potential to uh you know be something we're talking about like season 15 but you know i'll start with this and take it as far as we can go yeah how about you steve you know what it, it's not just the character it's the casting as well if this does turn out to be booster gold this is the best casting ever i mean who doesn't love scrubs and i love what the article says that if they do that then we know who they need to cast as ted cord don't we oh yeah i'm there and let's be fair here if this does not turn out to be booster gold with a description from this website, then we should sue DC and Warner Brothers for leading us up the garden path and lying to our faces because that could be nobody else but Booster Gold. So, <clears throat> people, JLI fans here, if you do not make this Booster Gold one punch, one punch, that's what I'm saying. Brad. Oh, man. Hive mind tonight. Uh, man, yeah. Seth, exactly. There, there is no better place for Booster Gold than Legends of Tomorrow. Time Traveler, uh, a character with a kind of comedic bent, absolutely perfect for Legends of Tomorrow. If they came out with a Booster Gold movie or a Booster Gold show, I would still sit there and say, why did you not put him in Legends of Tomorrow? It would, that was such a missed opportunity. Steve, you're absolutely right. If it turns out not to be him, then we riot because that that is just too much of a tease and, like I said, too much of a missed opportunity. And see, I'm so glad you brought up uh, two things, and that's the JLI because the Justice League International is why I love Booster Gold. I loved that series, and Booster Gold was a lot of the reasons why. And the fact that we need a Ted Cord because their bickering and their relationship was one of my favorite things about JLI. So to have that on a show like Legends of Tomorrow that is kind of already in that same tone, oh, it's perfect. This might be my favorite story of this week. I really, I really hope that that is, is Booster. Uh, 
bros before heroes. <laughs> okay. Can I just add in on that? Can you imagine a party with Booster and Ted and Bayrod and Steel? I mean, oh, like, that that's M-G. a wild foursome right there. I, oh, I yeah. feel like it would just be like a, a ridiculous amount of bro, 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 oh, <laughs> bro, bro, bro. The only thing bro. that'd be missing, and I know that poor old Matt Lloyd hates this, is is Jason Momoa's Aquaman, or as he's also known in the Ray household as Bro Sidon, King of the Brosian. <laughs> My man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fun. And our last bit of TV and streaming news is uh, we get uh, Phil Morris teasing stuff about season four uh, and Silas Stone. Uh, so what did you make of this? Oh, you, you know, just keep teasing me more and more and more about Doom Patrol and, and I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> We've had some really great stuff developed so far with the relationship and um i am I'm, I'm liking what's being suggested now you know that everyone at this point is uh learning how to ride their bikes and that includes their relationship you know i, I really think that we've seen victor go through some amazing transformations make some amazing choices um and and through it have some really uh, challenging but honest conversations with his dad while at the same time, you know, keeping in mind that there's a part of his mother that he feels would have been um, important to the decisions that were made for his future and the decisions he's making for his future now. And, um, I, I think the fact that they're going to continue what this discovery uh, can include for them, the more they explore it, the more they're willing to share their vulnerabilities. And I like this suggestion, you know, what is it that will uncover about the, the needs of uh cyborg's father you know this this thing that the actor suggests you know this um personal mission that that makes it you know so much more valuable when we understand that about them and how much closer we can get to to seeing what that means for their relationship should it ever get disclosed sometimes there are those secrets we wish the other character knew we realize maybe they never will but that it's about what drives the person who's so important to them and also what can sometimes separate them. Ah, great, great potential there. Love, love what we can suggest and consider and look forward to. Steve, how about you? I mean, everyone knows that I am like Batfink's wings. I am a shield of steel and nothing can break this cold, hard exterior. No one knows anything about me. I mean, no one knows I like Batman and no one knows that Doom Patrol is my favorite TV show. That's just like forbidden information that no one knows. Yeah, right. Doom Patrol is my favorite TV show, though Peacemaker is slowly catching up. And part of season three's highlights was the Silas Stone, Victor Stone relationship and the whole bombshell that making him cyborg may not have been the only way to save his life fantastic more of that in season four of doom patrol hell where do i sign what about you brad yeah uh, absolutely uh i i think that the relationship between um cyborg and his father can be one of the most complex deepest relationships in comics so i really like the idea of 
the show kind of leaning into that. And uh, with a show like Doom Patrol that's so off the rails as is, you don't know what you're going to get. So seeing that relationship explored in, in that context could lead to a lot of cool things. So um, there's that bit of unpredictability that I think appeals about the show to me. And I, and I think that that this relationship um, could really be full of surprises in this next season. So, uh, yeah, something that I'm looking forward to. And also what I'm looking forward to is talking some comic book news. But before we do that, we are going to hear from our sponsors once again. So stick around and we will return. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Buck, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Welcome back to episode 150 of the DC Comics News uh, podcast. You heard the movie news, you heard the TV streaming news, and now you're going to hear news from where it all began, and that is comic book news. Uh, up first, uh, we got some news about a uh, way to help the Cape Crusader solve crimes and a new all-ages graphic novel. Uh, Seth, what did you make of this? Oh, Shallyfish, right there. <laughs> so many great issues of all ages content. Um, so many fun, you know, Scooby and Batman team ups. And it, it 
it's the right person doing a really fun project that I'm going to check the ages on the content. And, you know, there are nieces and nephews who when it's when it's the right fit, you get a copy, you send it off, you smile and you think to yourself, planted a seed. That could be a future Batman fan right there. So I'm looking forward to, you know, just how many of those I can share. And I, I love that it starts out with how good of a detective are you? Let's test your skills. Steve, what do you think? Children's graphic novel. Ha! I'm buying it. Do you know why? Sholly Fish. Do you know why? That art. That gorgeous, beautiful, cute art. I mean, come on. Look at this stuff. It is so cute. And whenever you get a story that involves you being part of the tale helping Batman solve the crime. Insight did a fantastic book recently called Batman Crack the Case. I loved it. I don't care that I'm 50. I'm 50 going on 10. So, uh, Christopher Aminga, your art is beautiful. Sholly Fish, Batman Scooby-Doo, come on. This is a no-brainer. Buy this book for your children or buy it for yourself and pretend it's for your children. Either way, everybody wins. What do you think, Brad? Yes, everybody wins. Exactly. Um, you know, like you guys both mentioned, uh, Charlie Fish and Christopher Emingo's art is is incredible. Uh, just looking at those pages makes me want to get it. And I don't even know what the story is about. There's no dialogue. It's just the art. And, uh, and I want to get it. And DC has been so good with their, you know, their all ages original graphic novels that this is uh one of those ones that's going to seem like it's going to be up there with some of the some of the better ones so yeah i'm I'm kind of looking forward to this even as an adult and also it's it's another win-win for uh, parents who were batman fans that really want to get their kids into this and this is a great kind of uh gateway into the batman world so hopefully uh people will take advantage of that um so, yeah, this list looks like definitely a lot of fun. Uh, up next, uh, <laughs> we are turning the Justice League into dinosaurs uh, for a six-issue limited series called Jurassic League. Seth, will you be reading this? Oh, yeah. you. I mean, dinosaurs, Justice League. Yeah. Like, I... I, I I don't have a reason why I wouldn't. That's that's how <laughs> I view this one. Sounds like just my mix of fun. And I absolutely loved recently when I was, you know, watching uh, the Olympics with my wife. And suddenly we started seeing these commercials with Jurassic Park dinosaurs coming in. And I thought to myself, oh, right. And I did hear about that teaser for uh, the Jurassic League. So, yeah, (laughs) how much fun can be had? Well, we've got some great preview images, Uh, everything from, uh, you know, a dino bat sort of like, you know, fist in the air um, and plenty more good stuff like that. That great cover, (laughs) which for me is is pretty awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, there's some good fun to be had here. I'm going at others and enjoy chipping it as well. Steve, what did you think, my friend? This idea is so silly and so damn genius. I love it. 
Not since Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew have I been more excited for an animal-based superhero comic book. I want this series now. This is so stupid. It's brilliant. I want to buy it. I want to read it. I want to love it forever. What about you, Brad? (laughs) This is one of those, man, one of those things where I look at it and think, see, this is why there's still a whole lot of people out there that don't take comics seriously. And I want to resist it and say that's just too silly for me. But darn it, I know that I'm going to go up to the counter with this in my hand when it comes out. So you got me. Darn it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it could be a lot of fun. Uh, it, It is silly. Uh, but yeah, it, it could be a lot of fun. Who doesn't want to see the Justice League as dinosaurs? Come on, it's got superheroes, dinosaurs. What more could you ask for? So yeah, you got me. You got me. So uh, up next, uh, we uh, got a little news here uh, that uh, also that the Blood Syndicate will return to comics and Milestone is going to get animated uh this year so what'd you make of this oh i'm i'm, I'm so excited <laughs> i'm so absolutely excited blood uh blood syndicate was that was one of those stories that that first issue i will to this day never i will never forget how it was in those pages that i watched two heroes you know or two characters because this really you know created that that fun idea for me about what kind of heroes quote unquote are these characters but tech nine and holocaust fighting for supremacy to see who's going to lead the blood syndicate and the uh the way that this story has been building not only static season one but um the elements that we get that are suggested here you know we've got tech nine we've got wise son returning from active duty uh, to a dakota that's very different um we have these rival factions we have the you know, the tensions on Paris Island. I mean, this was some really great stuff that I remember just cementing milestone in my mind and in my heart back in the 90s. So having it come back now, knowing that they've been teasing that so many people like myself have been like, okay, okay, hardware, yes, happy, static, yes, rocket and icon, yes, yes, but where's the blood syndicate, man? Come on, just, just, come on we're all waiting <laughs> and um i love that the wait is over the images my goodness like what's what's not to love about the uh designs um man I, I was really pleased when i saw this story it was like okay it's real it's so much closer now we have so much more to look forward to and uh it makes me want to go back read the old stuff uh, i know uh very quickly i shall be picking up the uh compendium now that it's out i mean this is this is a wonderful rebirth and uh I, i'm i'm really excited for those of you that are as well hey give a cheer because we've waited a long time steve how about you my friend i, I can't top that because that mirrors my sentiments exactly i mean you and i were both there for the original milestone and it was great so when i heard they were bringing it back i got really really happy but then i heard oh they're rebooting it they're changing it they're modernizing it why why would you do this but why because you know whenever something like that happens oftentimes you'll get charlie's angels which was virtually nothing like the tv show 
or the Starsky and Hutch movie, which is virtually nothing like the TV show. But this, this new milestone loved, honoured, homaged and bowed to the original milestone. But 21st century it. This was Battlestar Galactica compared to the 70s Battlestar Galactica. Well, actually, no, the original milestone was way better than the 70s Battlestar Galactica, which was awful. But you know what <laughs> I mean. Careful now. <laughs> no, yeah, the, the new Battlestar Galactica. But, um, man, what we were missing was Bud Syndicate. If this means that finally we're going to get the universe we've all been craving since Milestone came back, just just colour me happy. I, I am just one big, smiling fanboy right now. And bring it on. I'm ready. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I'm super excited for this because uh, for me, my introduction to a lot of the Milestone characters, as much as I knew about the legacy, was through these new series. And I've loved them all. And it does seem to be building to something. And it looks like this is going to reveal all that. So I'm super excited about that. And Seth, like you mentioned, the um, now that the compendium's out, I think I actually found a decent price. I might actually pull the trigger and order it uh, today, but it's going to be fun, you know, catching up with the compendium to all that stuff that I hadn't read before and all this new stuff. And then having this blood syndicate. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm excited. Um, uh, you know, I think that even if milestone hadn't had just debuted uh, with these new series, it would still have an incredible amount of impact and people would still be excited. So yeah, this is um, yeah, this is something that I'm definitely going to be uh, picking up when it comes out. And we also got an interview with the people behind the Trial of the Amazons um, crossover for the Wonder Woman books that's coming out. Uh, Seth, what do you think of this? Well, I, I love that the story starts out, you know, by by setting up the importance of the Trial of the Amazons that we're going to start you know, to see uh, a new definition for so many of the the characters that we've seen. You know, I mean, we've had the recent Wonder Girl series, we've had Nubi and the Amazons, and we can see that there's a, a lot of tension, that there are concerns about the future and, and who will be, you know, how are they going to work this out, essentially? <laughs> like, what's, what's, the, what's the plan here, folks? Um, and the first thing that I love from this interview is the absolute enthusiasm from Becky Cloonan, like saying, hey, look, we've we've sort of gone out there and, and done a bit of, uh, you know, charting the uncharted territories. And now we're going to take you into these places, these parts of Themyscira that, that you haven't seen explored. And I think they've done a, an amazing job of, you know, just bringing up some really wonderful details recently in Wonder Woman, Nubia, um, you know bringing up, you know, elements that, that are important about not only the well of souls, but, you know, who are some of these characters that, that so far maybe have been cast in, in one light, but we, we can consider them to be more than just villains. And also, what is it that, that, that we need to consider? Because as Conrad brings in later, the idea that, you know, all of the changes that are occurring from culture to politics to the relationships that might be changed because of these differences. Um, <laughs> I love the inclusion by Stephanie Williams about family feud. Like, yeah, hey, by the way, you familiar with Jay-Z? Let's go ahead and talk about Beyonce's family feud. And then go ahead and just give you a little bit of context there. Um, 
And and I feel like this is something that, as they suggest, you know, they've been talking about it since 2021. They've been, you know, building up some great things. And I also I've really enjoyed that that recently they've had new characters join the mascara through the Well of Souls and that they've introduced, uh, you know, what it means to be part of the mascara, that it's not just that there was this one time period these women came to the island, that through the Well of Souls, women who have been wronged in, you know, a previous life have an opportunity for a rebirth and what that's like from the past life to their new life, the choices they have about being part of the mascara or finding. I, I, I think this, this series is going to continue what that exploration has already begun take it even further um yeah i also think that there's uh, some great suggestions about about how important these characters are going to be and how invested we're going to become and these are all a lot of really great things i'm looking forward to steve how about you oh absolutely i've been craving a wonder woman epic and a crossover because when was the last time honestly we had one and since the rebirth since death metal since becky clunan and michael conrad took over the main wonder woman book since um joelle jones and yara floor being a wonder woman fan now is probably the coolest and best time ever to be a wonder woman fan i got the march first books from dc on thursday i've read trial of the amazons one boy oh boy oh boy this is cool stuff and like you said Seth the whole well of souls the whole women who've been mistreated throughout eternity ending up on paradise island and being part of that sisterhood this whole epic legacy of the amazons it's genius it's brilliant it's epic storytelling which you cannot find anywhere else but in comics and i love it Brad, what do you make of it? Yeah, I I love it too. And so like you were saying, the enthusiasm, they are so into this. And I think some of my favorite uh, DC books since Future State have been the Wonder Woman books. We've talked at length about how much we all love Yara Floor. And I love Becky Cloonan's writing, um, but this is one of those, and, and normally when it's a comic, uh, I'm drawn to the story over the art. But I just I love Joelle Jones art so much that I'm so glad she is going to be involved in this. I, I love the preview images that we see. I, uh, I, I I'm excited about this. And yes, it is a great time to be a Wonder Woman fan. And she absolutely deserves that epic story. And I, I think maybe the characters as popular as she's ever been, certainly within the past, you know, 20 years or so so now is the time to have a really amazing wonder woman epic so yeah i'm I'm definitely looking forward to this and it's really cool to see that the creative teams are really are really into it too and enthusiastic and passionate about it and we also got a look at shadow wars on one a cover that pays tributes to an iconic marvel x-men cover uh seth what do you think of this I loved it. Uh, you know, as soon as I saw it, I was like, Days of Future's Past, like at that moment. <laughs> I was like, hey, Days of Future Past. Oh, and then just, you know, reading through it, like, hey, you are right. <laughs> Not bad, buddy. Um, <laughs> it, it was a really nice touch. Um, I love the aesthetic. You know, I, I love the uh, 
the two death strokes <laughs> impose and um i'm curious a little bit more now just about you know where shadow war zone is going to be taking us and uh man i mean i'm always encouraged when you've got joshua williamson telling a story and uh i'm curious to see you know where he's going to take us with this one steve what did you think at this moment in time if dc just decided to let ram v tom taylor and joshua williamson just run dc comics i'd be up for that um when you get huge amazing talents like conrad and clunan as well and tim sheridan and uh you know everything's going on with flash right now wow these comics are awesome massive events trial of the amazons shadows of the bat um the upcoming death of the justice league and dark crisis oh man i just need to sell my kidneys and live in a bubble and read comics forever brad i mean you gotta agree with that right yeah i wish i could clone myself where i could just read have a clone of myself that can just read comics and stay up to date all day because there's just so much cool stuff going on and they have really dc's really given joshua williamson like the keys to the castle i mean he's just rewriting dc universe in his kind of own image and it's it's kind of been amazing to watch uh and, and this looks like it's going to be a uh, really cool crossover series and that cover is really fun too i mean that cover is so iconic uh that you know just brings you right back to that issue of x-men it's just been used so many times with these characters uh, you know with deathstroke i think it, i think it really uh, it really works so uh yeah this is yet another one it's like and i'm not just saying this because it's the dc podcast but dc is really hitting it out of the park with their comics over the past uh over the past few years so this is another one to add add to that list and our last bit of comic book news does uh bring to mind something that steve just brought up and that is we got some information about uh the next big crisis come on our way uh dark crisis uh seth what do you think of this i uh i think this is going to be really fun <laughs> i mean you know, there, there was some speculation about, OK, so what is the intention behind having uh, Death of the Justice League upcoming? And we now know that there's a purpose behind it, which Williamson is behind. So, again, Steve, as you mentioned, I am completely with you. Like, yes, um, he is one of those those pillars right now where I'm like, yeah, you want to you want to be part of just, you know, building all the things we want to love and will love in DC comics, go right ahead. Go, go, go right on ahead. You, you keep those keys. We'll get another copy made, <laughs> like, do whatever you want for as long as you want. And, uh, with dark crisis, you know, we, we've also got the great connection, um, to the, the great darkness story that we've had going on. I, I'm intrigued by what this story is, uh, you know, suggesting about the, the villain, and, um, you know, a character who made such an impression back with uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth and, and now, you know, clearly going in a different direction with this storyline. But even when it was first announced, one of the first things I remember was 
how important it was to say, you know, what this is about, what this, you know, uh, story intends to do, what it wants to celebrate and to remind and share. And I, th- I think those are great things that fans who have been around for a long time and new fans coming in who can, you know, find this a great way to bridge them to all the stories we love talking about over the past 30, 40 years. It's uh, it's going to be a great celebration and it can do so many things. And I'm looking forward to all the things it will just based on what we know so far about Joshua Williams and all the great talent he pulls together when he's like, look, I got this great idea. Who wants to have some fun? And uh, I'm looking forward to. How about you, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether if you're a writer or a podcaster for DC Comics News and you're talking about Mr. Rayner, or you're a DC Comics fan and you're talking about Mr. Williamson, right now, in Josh, we trust. So take the key to the kingdom. Give us the stories we crave. Revisit legendary tales that we still talk about today, like Crisis on Infinite Earths like 52, like Infinite Crisis, and bump up the momentum, bump up the action, update them with legacy characters, take DC into the future. Dude, you've already got my money. Take it. Take it right now. What about you, Brad? One of my fondness, if you want to say fondness, but one of the my better memories from the height of COVID in 2020 was over the course of a few days reading uh doomsday clock uh the um heroes in crisis and flash forward and seeing how all those kind of threads wove together was so much fun that's one of the reasons why i love comics is those is the way they bring all those things together and Steve, you brought up Infinite Crisis, and Infinite Crisis kind of gets forgotten a little bit, but that was how they led up to Infinite Crisis was some of my favorite DC storytelling uh, in the past 20 years. How they led up to that with the little Easter eggs in other series and seeing it all come together was really, really fun. And they had like you know, the four limited series before even Infinite Crisis 1 came out. And this is doing something similar. It's bringing all those threads from all these different series and things that have going on the past few years, um, you know, Infinite Frontier and, and things that are going on in, in like maybe in the Flash series and things like that. And it's just going to be really cool to see that all come together and how they're planting the seeds now with the death of the Justice League and how they're going to have the free comic book day. This is one of the... Things like this are the reason why I read comics. It's fun to watch these big events come together and not just as a cash in, but because it's a really cool story. And this seems like it's going to have all of that. So, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely on board. And they're bringing back Pariah from Crisis. I I, 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 I can't wait. It's going to be it's going to be epic. And we have one more bit of news uh, in the other category. We also learned that uh, we're going to have a little bit of a delay uh, on the Suicide Squad game. Uh, Seth, what do you make of this? I mean, you know, no one likes delays. (laughs) They were sadly something that became quite a theme for a while on a series of episodes where we were just like, all right. 
what are we doing here? We're speculating, we're guessing, we're hoping, we're wondering, you know, we don't have a lot of information, but, you know, getting a game from the earlier stages to when you can share images and, and different moments, you know, to actually making sure that all the elements you need for gameplay, that the things worked out for fans, um, the user experience issues that can pop up. I mean, for me, this is, you know, an expectation at some point simply because it's going to happen and I'm good with it. But I know the diehard fans who want to pick up where this story takes uh, place as far as the events of the games that preceded it, you know, just a little bit longer, I'm hoping. And, uh, you know, good things come and all that. Steve, how about you, my friend? Absolutely. Um, if anything's good, it's worth waiting for. And better for it to be laid and come out perfect than for it to be rushed out. And Brad, you know, sometimes when games come out too soon, bug, 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 bug. Buggity bug bug bug. We do not yep. want that. We want games that play smoothly, that are fun, and that do what they're meant to do. So hey, better late than never. Good things come to those who wait. It's time to play the game. Brad. If you're a gamer, one thing you get used to pretty quickly is delays when it comes to release dates for games. And I am totally willing to wait if we get a more finished, polished product when it's released. I want a good game. Like you said, Steve, bug, 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 bug. I don't want a lot of bugs. I want a seamless, fun gaming experience, and I'm willing to wait a little longer to have it. And also, with the current generation of consoles hard to find it's really hard to get your hands on a ps5 uh i haven't been able to yet and um i i think this was set up to be a ps5 exclusive meaning it won't be on the ps4 it'll just be on the ps5 so i'm kind of glad it's getting delayed on a personal level because then it gives me a little more time to try to find a ps5 because i want to play this on the day it comes out uh, i love the other Rocksteady games, and I love the Suicide Squad, so I'm I'm excited for this. But I am willing to wait if it's going to be a better game, and that's that's um, and I, and I think most gamers would agree that they're willing to wait. So with that, we're going to wrap up the 150 episode of DC Comics News podcast. Hope you guys stick around for the next 150 episodes and beyond. And Seth. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, start here. DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. Find me hanging out with the best, the brightest, the boldest, and the 150th-est. Yeah, that's not really a thing. But here, then you can find me hanging out. Spinner Rack. Catching great episodes of uh, Mr. Steve J. Ray's, you know, I Am the Night. Hanging out when we talk about bad love. Pretty much here. And then you crafty internet sluice, you'll find me. My name is Seth. My last name is Singleton. I've seen you do it. Plus, secretly, I think you have a lot of fun. So enjoy the hunt. Steve, where can they find you, my friend? Right here, like you said. Um, if you read DC Comics News or listen to the DC Comics News shows, you're bound to trip over me some way or another. If you don't, type Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into any search engine you like, and you will have no choice but to trip over me like a 
sleeping policeman like a speed bump on the road i will be there in your path talking or writing about nerdy comic book stuff so do that and talk to me on twitter at elstevo el underscore s-t-e-e-v-o and you'll fall over me all over again but hey i fell for you a long time ago so it's about time you return the compliment brad where can the multiverse find you oh you can find me writing news and reviews dccomicsnews.com you can find me on the mad love Harley Quinn podcast, part of the Beast Comics News podcast network, as is I Am The Night and Spinner Rack. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And as far as DC Comics News, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you may look, we'll be there. So check us out. And we're going to wrap it up by saying something that everybody should be doing, and that is to read more comics. And uh, Brad, Seth, Joshua, Kelly, Kendra, I love you and thank you for making the last 150 episodes magical. You are my comic book family. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>